What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast. I am one of the hosts of the show, Dale Lippin, in here with the always dapper, the white snapper, Trey Van Buskirk. What's going on, man? I'm donning the San Diego Padres cap tonight um, in hopes that the 2020 season goes a little bit better than the past 40 seasons have gone for us. Uh, I'm down to cheat like the Astros. I'm down to get a payroll like the Yankees, whatever it right. takes. But this is our season. Right. Well, you know what would be great is that if everybody that listened to this show went to iTunes and liked and subscribed and rated it. So that way we could, you know, get a little bit more visibility, bring in heavier sponsors, make more money, and then maybe one day become minority owners of the Padres or some other team and then we could just make really bad trades to the Padres and help you out with that. I'm going to be honest. I feel like all you could do is offer them a breakfast burrito. You can get a part share of the team, Dale. <laughs> that's fine by me, man. Pretty I'm much it right now. If I had Add some money. avocado in there and that's game over. That's a done <laughs> deal. <laughs> little avocado toast. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> I got you. Well, listen, avocado is green, and I hate green stuff. What I do like is red, red meat in particular. Uh, this episode of the podcast, like all episodes, are brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST. Get 10% off your entire order. You, sir, just got yourself a brand-new fresh box of Stay Classy Meats. So I would like your opinion on what you received in your box. I did, and I was a little bit irritated by my wife who wanted to utilize – our meat in a spaghetti dish. That's not like, You can't do that. That's you can't unacceptable. do that. You can't mask the taste of a grade A farm to table beef with a red sauce. But we did it. We did it. And it was delicious. <laughs> it's the best meat ever. My wife was freaked out that there's a little bit of blood around the beef. But I was like, hey, you're just used to that Vons, that pavilions, that stop and shop. You're used to that crap preservative. You need some good old fashioned American-made beef, and that's what we got. It was unbelievable. Good. Listen, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I, it's, it's, you know, it's always funny to sing the praises of something, and then you know, it's always better when you hear testimonial by somebody that hasn't had it, and they they taste the difference. But anyway, let's get away from that for a second. Let's talk about all the things that are happening in the UFC right now, man. UFC. Uh, Fight Night Auckland took place last weekend. We are leaving yet another event with more controversial judging, refereeing, you name it. We had issues. Give me your thoughts on the Dan Hooker, Paul Felder saga, if you will. I mean, (laughs) I don't want this whole show to be about judging and scoring, (laughs) open scoring again. It's becoming so redundant, so repetitive, but... One thing, if I ever make it to the UFC, God, please put me on a San Diego card because if it goes to decision, I will win it. <laughs> and that's what happened with Dan Hooker and Paul Felder. If you do not think that Paul Felder won that fight, get the fuck off this. Unsubscribe. <laughs> he won it. You just ruined a man's dreams, his title shots. And think about his daughter, his four-year-old daughter. You crushed right. it. It's been gone, gone and away for months. Goes into enemy territory. Puts on the performance of a lifetime. 
only time he'll probably ever get a title shot or at least an opportunity to chat in that realm. And it was crushed by hometown favorite Dan Hooker. Yeah, I so, I mean, again, I think a lot of it goes back to, I mean, one of the things that really bugged me about the entire fight Listen, it was a it's not a it's not a robbery, right? So we we've seen some robberies the last few weeks. I wouldn't classify this as a robbery. However, I will say of all the talking that happened between those two gentlemen, only one of them was fighting in a way that wanted to actually back it up. Uh, I you know, what's crazy is a lot of people have criticized Felder for a, a lack of a killer instinct because he's in his fights, he's had people hurt and has been unable to finish them. But I think it's just because he's he's very tactical in his approach to things. Maybe it's not a lack of killer instinct. I will say the lack of killer instinct came entirely from Dan Hooker. Uh, Hooker talked all kinds of game as if he was going to go out there and you know erase Paul Felder from the existence of, of the planet. And he just went out there and looked like he was trying to point fight his way. Knew that if he could get up big enough on the cards... He'd be fine because it was a hometown gig. Um, you know, I think that w- what really bugs me about this entire thing is everybody saying, like, oh, that takedown at the very end of the fight mattered. You know, that's what won him the fight. I don't think it should have because he didn't do anything with it. You know, if you take me down and you don't do anything and I get back up, or you take me down and there's not enough time left to do anything, it's, it's, it's essentially as if it didn't happen. It should be anyway, especially if I'm winning the round up until that point, or if it's close up until that point, how much weight can you really give that? Um, And then you look at it after the fact, and you see that Paul Felder actually outstruck Dan Hooker by a significant amount. I think that, you know, it's just one of those things, man, where the more we get stuff like this, the more that conversation is going to be propelled forward. So while it's tough to endure, with the Houston card and tough to endure with this Auckland card, the more this stuff keeps happening, it's gaining momentum. You know, it's the snowball down the hill. So it sucks, but it's kind of necessary at this point. You know, I, I, I kind of welcome it. Mm, Yeah. I, it's, it's getting hard to watch though. I can't stand it. And to even further that for Dan Hooker to come out and call out Justin Gaethje, Mm, give me a fucking break. None of that. Well, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the rankings, you put any stock in that at, with both those guys being at five and six. Gate the Gaethje Poirier jumble makes sense, right? He's obviously not getting Conor McGregor, so you might as well go ahead and forget that he's not going to get Tony because Tony's got a fight booked. So the only people that are ahead of you in the rankings are Gaethje and Poirier. So I get that. It's 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 a foolish fight because nobody believes Dan Hooker's going to win those fights. Right. So the call out seems stupid, but if you're him, it makes the most sense. Right. I get so, that. I get yeah. that. Um, um, the the one comparative I want to bring up, and this is kind of a segue into another massive fight that we saw on Saturday night, but I want to get your thoughts. And this is from a lot that I've heard from a casual fan perspective, but what I've heard is the analysts from MMA to boxing and i want to bring this up for a couple reasons the boxing in the deontay wilder tyson fury fight was atrocious i have never seen commentary in a boxing match that bad and i don't know it's because 
you know, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, this is a chance to revitalize the sport. And it's, you know, everyone and their mothers watching it. But I have to say, I was so proud of the UFC and so proud of MMA to have commentating, color commentating analysts that actually know what they're talking about versus boxing, the speculation and the absurd comments. I was like, who the fuck are these people? The, the commentating was atrocious. I want to get your take on not just the fight, but the commentating. Is that kind of the norm as to how boxing goes? It depends, honestly, and a lot of it depends on the promotion, right? So in my opinion, Showtime um, Boxing has the best commentating crew. Um, it just depends on who it is. Uh, you know, they had Lennox Lewis. Le- Lennox Lewis is not the most articulate guy. Um, and that was where a lot of the heat was coming from was his approach to the way he was speaking. It was very tough to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing too, is that, you know, we, I, it's something that I would, I would feel like I would struggle with as well. Uh, if I was doing live commentary is they were watching the fight a lot. And I know it seems weird, but they there were just long lulls where they were just watching the fight, right? So this fight had a magnetism to it. Um, one of the things that I that you know I used to one of the things that used to really annoy me about John Anik is I felt like John Anik would never shut up, right? Like I'd be <laughs> trying to watch a fight and he's constantly talking, and I'm like, I wish this dude would just shut up. But if if you watch an event where it's like uh, Brennan Fitzgerald, uh, or, you know, uh, who's the British guy? Um, oh my gosh. Come Dan on. Hardy. No, Dan Hardy. But then the other, the other cat that's always on the other side of him. Why is his name escaping me right now? He, we literally just heard him talk for five hours on Saturday. British people seem to kind of all John, meld together. John Gooden. Is it John Gooden? No, it's not John Gooden. What the hell's the guy's name? Is it John Gooden? I don't know. Anyway, I can't remember. But there's long pauses where they stop and they watch the fights. And you realize, oh, this is kind of weird just hearing just the sound of the octagon, the sound of the ring, whatever. And But what was happening was is that they were watching it and then they were reacting that was everything happened. So there'd be a li- big, long pause. They wouldn't be saying anything that's happening. And then, oh, they're reacting to what's going on. And then what their reactions were just, it was it just wasn't good. Um, yeah. But... Hey. Go ahead. No, No, I was just going to say, it seemed very casual. The speculations that they had in the fight, when Deontay Wilder had, you know, granted he had blood gushing out of his left ear. Yeah. Right away, they're like, we're just getting word that he bursted his eardrum. You have no idea that he bursted his eardrum. And lo and behold, he didn't burst his eardrum. He had seven or eight stitches inside of his ear, didn't burst his eardrum, broke his jaw, didn't, didn't burst his eardrum. Now... The reason I wanted to bring this conversation in outside the fight, which was amazing, Tyson Fury, what a freaking stud. Six foot nine, 275 pounds, just brought the fight to Deontay Wilder. That was unbelievable. But I brought this conversation in because, like I said, I was so proud of the analyst of the UFC. And I segued it because Paul Felder, while we don't know what's next for him, one thing that I can say is that dude is an unbelievable analyst. And without a doubt, if he doesn't come back, and like you said, we were texting back and forth, we hate when fighters are interviewed post-losses, especially in title fights. 
I don't believe that the retirement's there. I think that he can get a couple other fights under him. He's never going to fight for a title again. I mean, that's two, three years. The guy's already like, what, 35? But I do think that an analyst job for him, what he's done for the sport, and what he could do going thereafter is immense. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's one of the better minds in the game. He's, he's a great analyst, and he's very, um, you know, he's very professional in his approach to, to how he, you know, uh, I think he does a better job. Let's put it this way. I think he does a better job of staying unbiased when he's commentating than guys like DC. Um, guys like DC, it's very tough. Dom Cruz does a good job until you get closer to people that are his weight class, then he has a tough time. Oh, yeah. But Paul Felder is very good at just staying on target, staying on task. Um, the only other guy that I've seen that do, did it better and he doesn't, uh, you know, he's obviously got other stuff going on outside the octagon now, is Brian Stan. Brian Stan was amazing um, ringside commentary. And the first fighter to transition out of the cage into that role and do so seamlessly and and almost come across better at that than he was at fighting inside the octagon. I don't think, I I think you're right, I don't think Paul Felder is ever going to get a title shot. Um, I, if he does, I think it would be something like we saw with the ally, a sort of late, yeah, late notice. Everything falls apart. There's nothing to do. He happens to be there because he's in town for commentary anyway, and he's close to being on weight. Maybe a Michael Bisping style situation, a ally Quinta thing. Maybe, you know, it's one of those things where lightweight right now is a log jam. Anytime Connor interjects himself into anything, it slows everything to a crawl. And we are all waiting for this Khabib Tony thing to happen so we can see what the hell is next because it's been <laughs> such a long time. Dude, it's it literally the whole lightweight division revolves around this fight. Everything. One through fifteen revolves around Tony versus Khabib right now. So, um, <laughs> I, I want to know what the prop bets are on this fight's actually going to happen this time. I've been seeing the training that Tony's been doing lately, and I know they've been showing old school videos of him running across a bunch of tires. But we know this guy's training is so unorthodox. I think everyone, like myself, has been sweating for months, and we still have a couple of months to sweat against it to see if this thing happens. Yeah, we still got a couple of weeks left. It, it is going to be rough. Yeah, it's going to be rough waiting until then it's one of those fights that you don't actually believe it's going to happen until both guys are in the octagon and have actually stepped back away from each other yet again because i'm i'm you know i'm afraid tony's going to trip over a commissioner's foot or something like that i mean it's just terrifying the thing you know to think that 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 something could happen you know once khabib got back to aka said he was training there i took a deep breath because that's where all the injuries happen you know, uh, AKA is just a notorious meat grinder when it comes to injuring <laughs> fighters. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, man. We'll we'll see what happens with that fight. Uh, I as, to go back to your point with Paul Felder that you know they interviewed the guy right after he just had his heart ripped out on a fight that he thought he won and deserved, and I agreed with. Um, and then you ask him what's next for him. That's tough. Every every person that suffers. A, a defeat like that at some sort has thoughts of not wanting to do it again. And, yeah. you know, Paul Felder's 36 years old. He probably thought if I was going to do it, now's the time to do it. And he's overcome with emotion. And that's a guy that fights emotional anyway. And you ask him that, of course, he's going to say it might be, he might be done. Of course he might say that. I mean, he probably says that, you know, the, his last fight that he lost, he probably said that. And the fight before that, he probably said like, why am I doing this? You know, oh. uh, 
it was all predicated too. You have to think the last two rounds is Duke Rufus was saying into his ear. He was saying, Paul, do this for Ashland, do this for Ashland. So um, uh, extremely emotionally charged last two rounds. And then you lose that. It all comes to the surface. It's like the most worst. It's the worst time you could ever ask someone what their future plans are thereafter. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, you, let me get your take on this. We'll get into these bets real quick. Because I, I've thought about this, right? Now, I know you're not a big boxing guy, but have you ever watched Teddy Atlas work a corner before? Mm-mm. Okay, no. So, so, yeah, some homework for you and anybody else that listens to this that's not familiar with Teddy Atlas. Um, get online. Get you, you know, YouTube's your best friend here, and you want to find Teddy Atlas's best corner moments. Um, Teddy Atlas, obviously, is a great bat or a great boxing trainer, analyst, commentator, all of those things. Uh, but his best work is done in the corner. His best work is able to ignite his fighters and help them find that gear they didn't know that they had. And I really think that whenever we watch you know, MMA fighting, that really seems to be something that's lacking in the corners. I've never heard cor- most corners either give nondescript lame advice you know do more move more you got to take them down you can't get taken down watch out for the right hand it's either lame advice like that or it's very like technical boom boom you need to throw that you need remember what we talked about one two you know brooklyn sierra blah blah and they're going over combos and stuff like that there's never any like just i gotta light the fire Right. Yeah. So I, I was thought I thought about this whenever I was watching the fight and Rufus was saying, you know, do it for your kid. But that was the last thing he said before he walked away. He right. said, Paul, you need to be first. You need to walk him down. You got to watch the left hand. Then they do the seconds out and then he go do it for your kid. And then he'd walk away. <laughs> that, yeah. So I guess all that is a roundabout way of saying is like doing all that. Do you think that if you got a guy in that instance where stamina and adrenaline is such a big thing, you think if you lit that fire in them, you run the risk of them dumping out, you know, having an adrenaline dump if it were to work and then being trapped in the cage with no energy left? Or what do you think? We just don't have that type of verbal coach or what? Oh, man. I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I could not even answer that appropriately because you have to be in the complete who knows what type of mindset you're 25 minutes almost 25 minutes into a fight into your first title fight so the amount of motion imagine the week that's just been buried on that guy's shoulder first time he's the marquee headline event for a ufc event you know he's away from his daughter he's in foreign territory he's the bad guy in association he's been talking a bunch of shit i'm talking about paul felder while dan hooker did talk a bunch of shit Paul Felder talked a bunch of shit and while he's in enemy territory and all that's going on. And then you throw in the, the ethos or the emotion and association. I mean, who knows how that weighs on you? I do. I love the, uh, the rhetoric that is the Rocky mentality. I love all that. I think that, you know, when you're watching that as a fan, you're just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to rip this guy's face off. But at the end of the day, who knows where he was mentally on that. And clearly afterwards, I mean, it broke him down significantly. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into this card. The long time coming, uh, you know, Henry Cejudo finally vacating the flyweight belt um, and letting, you know, two guys that, that rightfully deserve to fight for the, the belt, you know, do so something we called on our early episodes. We thought that this was going to happen. Um, and, you know, they went ahead and made the fight. 
the day after we said that it was that it was the fight to make, lo and behold, they make the fight. Joseph Benavidez taking on Davis and Figueredo. Um, look, man, this is this is a great card from top to bottom. You and I have gone back and forth on the prelims. There is a ton of pickums on the prelims. It is it is chock ripe, full of value. There is a lot of work to be done here. Uh, but here's the thing, man. I don't know with some of these if the line is leaning the right way or not it's definitely going to be something that we're going to have to unpack a little bit and going to need your help on this um but let's hop right into the main card kyler phillips taking on gabriel silva silva's sitting at minus 130 kyler phillips is at even money i mean you you got anything on either one of these guys that that's swaying you one way or the other uh, Phillips is a great striker. He likes to strike from distance, so you gotta, you know, watch out for that. Silva, you know, he's a, you know, a bit of a better grappler. So the question is, is Silva gonna get in within uh, clinch work, get a little bit of a takedown, a little bit of ground and pound? I'm worried about Phillips playing at distance, but I think at the end of the day, if it gets into the later rounds, Silva can close that distance. And, you know, we've noticed that Kyler Phillips is not great on the ground. So you got a bit of a grappler versus striker thing going on here. I think this play, while it's really close, you got to weigh on that of the grappler. So I, I like Silva in this um, going later into the rounds. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. And I like Silva at the price you can get him at. Like I said, minus 130 is a great price on him. He's a, he's a highly talented guy. Um, 130 is great. I would, you know, I, I'm I'm not saying suggest multi-unit plays on it, but I definitely like I definitely like him in this fight. I think that he's got the advantage everywhere uh, that Kyler Phillips would want this fight to take place. Uh, so I, I like Gabriel Silva minus 130. Grant Dawson taking on Derek Minner. Uh, you know, Dawson 14 and one, Minner at 24 and 10. The wealth of experience favors. Uh, the veteran in Derek Minner. However, Grant Dawson is the much heavier favorite here. I've seen him as high as minus 450 on some books, uh, minus 450 to a plus 325 coming back the other way. Does Derek Minner have a shot on earth at beating Grant Dawson? Yeah, you know, he is the veteran. He's fought 34 times. Um, that, you know, that's a lot of fights. That's a lot of fights, not in the UFC. That's true, but it's still a lot of fights. It's still, I mean, look, that's 34 fist fights, man. You and I were aligned when Grant Dawson was supposed to fight Chaz Skelly that uh, Chaz Skelly was going to absolutely murder Grant Dawson, correct? Correct. Can't confirm. Yeah. <laughs> Can't confirm. Derek Minner, oh, man. Um, Listen, mm. my, my man's lost four in a row. Uh, he's coming off losses, you know, on the Contender Series. Uh, he's coming off three straight losses in LFA against lower-level competition. And not only that, he was finished in all four of these fights that he's lost in a row. So four finished losses in a row. The guy is susceptible to every submission known to mankind. I think Grant Dawson is a minus 450 favorite here for a reason. If Derek Minner pulls this off, it's because uh, Grant Dawson absolutely gets bad here. So I, I know I'm putting you on the spot with it, trying to make it seem like it's like a more competitive fight than it should be it's not grant dawson should absolutely murk this dude if he doesn't it's because he's the one that let, let it get away you know um it, it's just it's it should be an easy fight for grant dawson no doubt uh, no doubts there um I, I would yeah i would lean on grant dawson for sure all right 
the, the proverbial always let me down, never do what I wanted to do. Megan Anderson taking on Norma Dumont. Uh, Norma Dumont, 4-0. Megan Anderson, 9-4. and Megan Anderson is the largest uh, woman, I think, height-wise on the UFC roster. She is like a cartoon character. She's in, comprised entirely of arms and legs. Um, <clears throat> she is, you know, a, a sizable favorite here, but look, man, is it going to be one of those things where she's going to let us down yet again, or does Megan Anderson get it done? Megan Anderson, you six-foot, sexy, Sheila, tatted lady. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Losses to Holly Holm and Felicia Spencer. You can't tip your, I mean, you can tip your cap to that. Both absolute beasts. Everyone's always wanted to write her off. But at the end of the day, Invicta featherweight champion, she's legit. Huge hole in her game. What's that hole? Grappling. Grappling, she's a piece of shit. But easy, easy, easy. Uh, no, she is, and everyone's exploited. That's the blueprint to beating Megan Anderson is just grapple with her. <laughs> I'm telling you. Dude, so you're in, Norma you're Dumont, in rare form tonight. You are in rare form. Uh, dude, I'm telling you. So her opponent, what does she have? She has grappling. Now, now, if you're looking at this, you're thinking, okay. You know, Trey says that, you know, she doesn't have grappling. You know, Viana's got grappling. What could we do here? Megan Anderson's going to get this done. You're fighting opponents that's literally 4-0. Started her career in 2016. Megan's a veteran in comparison. The height difference, the strength. Megan's grappling actually has improved previous her last fight in October. Megan's going to get this done quickly. I would like to play an inside the distance, if you believe. Normally, I don't like to play any inside the distance with female fights, but this one, Megan's going to murk her. Okay, listen, if you're saying Megan Anderson inside the distance, I will I will concede to that play. You're feeling a certain way about it. Listen, I will say that the X factor in this is that Megan Anderson is trained and has been trained for a long time now by James Krause, who is living his best life right now. That whole team is on fire um that lends itself well to what we're going to see on saturday night i will get on board with a megan anderson inside the distance play i can get on board with that for sure all right i don't know if you noticed this or not but uh i switched up the duds i'm not wearing a i'm not wearing a collared shirt like you i've decided to keep it a little bit more relaxed Nice. Uh, you know, and I'm going with a T-shirt yep. uh, for this episode. However, it's not just any T-shirt. This T-shirt was sent to us by the new show sponsor, the one and only Manscaped. Trey, yeah. I got to tell you, this is probably, I mean, I, it's hard, you know, well, it's not hard. It's not hard. It is. <laughs> it was, uh, nice. it's easy to get excited. It's easy to get excited with products like what we like what manscape has to offer now i'm going to tell you something okay mm -hmm. so we we went ahead and we got the lawnmower the the all the all the accoutrement if you will the shed the the, the, the crop preserver the crop uh what was the other one it wasn't the crop duster what was the <laughs> other one <laughs> Dude, I, I have yet to utilize all the accoutrements i have well i'll tell you about it go on Okay, so but you have opened the box up, right? Yes. 
Have you utilized any of the products whatsoever? Yes, I have. Okay, so listen, I took my lawnmower out. I fired this bad boy up, and listen, there. This is this is a real live testimonial for this product. I've never been so reckless with a trimmer around my junk before. I I took it out right, and you know they have that 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 whole technology where it's like the safe blade and all that stuff, and you got to keep the guard on it and all that stuff. But dude, I mean, my hands, I shaved all the hair off my hands because oh, yeah. I, I was like, I was like, I'm trying to snag it, you know what I mean? Because you got to test it someplace similar, but you, before you take it down low, you look like a dolphin. I, right, I was going right. to mention that. Yeah, yeah, I'm like a seal. So uh, I okay. So I can't, I can't snag my hands. So look, man, I just, I'm I'm not going to lie. I just went, I went crazy. I went completely crazy. It was, I've never been so reckless with trimmers before. It's absolutely unbelievable. That thing just literally removed everything. It was like when you have the eraser on Microsoft paint and you're just erasing (laughs) everything you did. That's how I felt with my junk, man. I had that lawnmower out and I was just, I just erased everything. It was unbelievable. Is unbelievable, man. Yeah, I I know, I know. I I was just thinking about it. now. I've yet to use it. I know we just got our boxes in a couple days ago, yeah. but I've noticed. You know, I thought about it, and I was like, God, I'm so excited to use this product. Let me tell you why. I live in San Diego. SeaWorld is massive in San Diego. SeaWorld's yeah. like one of the biggest revenue producers in San Diego from a tourist attraction place. Yeah, if you go there. You'll notice that all the hot chicks, they're infatuated by the turtles. And I was like, God, I wonder why ladies like turtles. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? While I can't take the form of a turtle, I know my balls can. <laughs> so stupid. So, so stupid. I'm so excited yeah. to use this product. And the cool thing is I can share this product with everyone. Use the code PUNCH and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Guys, 20% off and your balls can look like a turtle shell. You can look like Dale. You can look like a dolphin. Your balls can be a turtle shell. Hell, you could be the key feature. You could be like, fuck you, Shamu. I'm the slickest dog at this sea world. (laughs) You're off the rocker tonight. You're off your rocker. No, I was. Listen, they have, like I said, they have a. they do have a product. It is a, it's a, it's a spray product. It's uh it's a toner. It says it's a ball toner. Um, and it says, you know, for a quick pick me up, give your, give your goods one or two spritzes. So, you know, I, I'm listen, I'm going to try it. If you tell me to spritz the boys, I'm going to spritz the boys. Spritz, dude. Listen, I spritzed the boys. It was like a, listen, it was like a hundred tiny fairies telling my nuts secrets. They were just like, shh, 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 shh. That's what it felt like. It's unbelievable. I literally want to carry this stuff in my pocket, and anytime I'm feeling stressed out, yeah. I'm just going to go into a closet and spritz the boys. That's it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it smells good. It feels good. It's awesome. It's awesome. I can't. I cannot speak highly enough about that product. As if the lawnmower wasn't impressive enough, whatever they put in that what you know they call the the toner. Whatever they put in the toner, man, listen to me when I tell you this. I'm serious, man. It was like it was like when Pocahontas puts her foot into the river and like the forest comes alive. Oh my God, That's what it felt like whenever I spritzed the boys. It was unbelievable. Anyway, code punch. 
Save you 20% and get your free shipping, manscaped.com. The code is PUNCH, 20% uh, off everything and free shipping. All right, let's let's wrap this. Let's put a bow on this bad boy. Magomed Ankalov taking on Iwan Kutalaba. Ankalev is at 12-1. and Kutalaba is at 15-4. and four. Uh, Look, man, this is going to be a great fight for as long as it lasts. Uh, I'm, I'm really anxious about this one. Kutalaba... Sitting at a plus 160, Ankalev, Ankalev, whatever you want to call it, at minus 200. Um, do we take Kutalaba here on the underdog play? Can Ankalov s- sustain the damage and the aggression in the first five minutes that Kutalaba gives it to him? Yeah, so you got two of the best or up-and-coming 205 prospects out there. Kutalaba, if everyone knows, that guy's got freaking steel in his fist. The guy could lay some people out. Not as technical as Ankalov. Ankalov, you got to look at him, though. Also, the guy, while he's a little bit more technical, he can actually go the distance. I think Dale and I are both a little bit concerned with Kutalaba getting past the first five minutes and how he fares thereafter. So I, I'm leaning towards an Ankalov decision on this. Um, I do think that it's a really scary fight. 205 is a tough one to go the distance. I don't know. That's where I'm kind of leaning right now. Um you know, Ankalov fights with Akhmat Fight Club. He's great grappler, so, you know, spend some time on the ground there. I don't know. I'm leaning more of a distance play on this one. Yeah, I think the over-under on rounds is going to come in at one and a half, and I think maybe yeah. taking that might provide a more competitive line. I'm okay with saying over one and a half on this. Um, my concern is if it actually does come in at one and a half, obviously we're recording before that prop hits the, the, the table. So, you know, depending on where that line falls is something that I'd want to look at. Um, and I also want to see these guys at weigh-ins as well. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I want to pencil in two things here, right? Um, I want to pencil in an Ewan uh, knockout, Ewan by knockout. Mm-hmm. Like, so specific victory. I want to pencil in E1 by knockout. And then I also want to pencil in over one and a half rounds. Yeah. I want to see where I can get the better action. And then that will be the play that I think we should make. I like that. Yeah. Okay. That sounds All like right. a plan. Excellent. So let's jump into the co-main event of the week uh, of the week of the co-main event of the weekend. Zara Farn taking on Felicia Spencer. Zara Farn is coming off a loss to Megan Anderson, who's fighting earlier in the card. Felicia Spencer, we have not seen her in a while. She got married. She's living her best life. Uh, last time we saw her was a very competitive three-round fight against Chris Cyborg, where she did better than everybody thought she was going to, uh, despite 30-27 scorecards throughout. It was the most impressive uh, that we'd seen anybody compete against Cyborg, short of Amanda Nunes. So we've got the phenom herself, Felicia Spencer, coming back after a long layoff, taking on Zara Farn. Most people think that Felicia Spencer is about to catch a body here. She's a minus 800, 900 favorite, depending on what book you're looking at. I don't think this fight's going to be very competitive. I think it's a Felicia Spencer wash. Yeah, um, Zara Farn, she prides herself on being a grappler. What did I say early in this show? I said... Megan Anderson has shit grappling. Well, what did Megan Anderson beat Zarafon with? Her grappling. So if you look at someone that I'm saying doesn't have good grappling, beating Zarafon by grappling, I mean, if you're putting yourself on your pedestal saying you're good at grappling, you lose to Megan Anderson. You're going against Felicia Spencer now. There's no way in hell you're going to win that fight. I love, 
Spencer inside the distance. That's, I mean, that's the best way to look at it. Yeah, we'll have to see what the line is. Um, again, it's one of those things where if you see an inside the distance play and it's still sitting at like minus 400, it's just a complete avoid um, mm -hmm. because you don't want to take the chance that she goes out and she's not aggressive or you have a Macy Barber, Roxanne Montefiore situation where you go out and she gets hurt and the other girl just is not talented enough to finish her. You don't want to take a chance like that. So we'll see what the line looks like. And if it's an inside the distance and it's anything two, minus 200 or less, play it. If it's minus 200 or above, avoid it altogether. I think that's the, the conservative way to approach that. All right, let's go. Team Alpha Male, all day, every day. Joseph Benavidez taking on Davis and Figueredo. Figueredo's at 17-1. and one. Joseph Benavidez, 28-5. and five. I've long said that Joseph Benavidez is the best flyweight on the planet Earth, not named Mighty Mouse Johnson, and I still stand by that despite the fact that Cejudo has a win uh, over him and Cejudo was the champ. I don't care. I still believe Benavidez to be the best flyweight on the planet Earth, not named Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He gets it done on Saturday night, my man, against Davison Figueredo and brings the belt back to SoCal, and he wraps it around Megan O'Leavy's dainty little shoulder and lets her hold it as she walks around the, the – uh, the uh, arena. <laughs> For sure. No, absolutely. They're going to be going to Bali right after this. They're going to have the gold wrapped around both their ways because they're both so tiny. But Joseph B is going to get this done. Yes, uh, Figueredo, he is the hardest hitting 125er on the planet. I think he definitely hits harder than Joey B, but Joey B is way more technical. And you kept saying DJ's name, the only person that Joey B's ever lost to. TBJ's Johnson. So, well, no, I mean, so he lost to Sergio Pettis. Don't forget. So he lost to Sergio Pettis. Sergio got that that split decision win over him. Oh, um, shit. And then Mighty Mouse knocked him out. And then Mighty, yeah. So yeah, it was Mighty Mouse twice. Right. So I forgot about Sergio Pettis. Yeah. So he's got losses. He's got losses to Dom Cruz, but that was WEC days. Uh, UFC um, straight. Yeah. Right, so he's got two losses, Dominic Cruz, but those were WEC days. And then UFC, he's got a loss to Sergio Pettis and a loss and two losses. DJ twice. Yeah, to DJ twice. And I said that Cejudo beat him, but that's not that's not accurate. I forgot about that. He actually won that decision um, over Cejudo. I don't know why. For whatever reason in my head, that was just registering that Cejudo won that fight. Yeah, so. it's, it's his third attempt to get this UFC gold. Third time's a charm. It's going to get done. At 35 years old, this is literally his last shot. Yeah. He's going to go out right into the sunset. I think he gets it done, too, in a freaking fashion, too. I think it's three, round three, round four. I'm, I don't know how it's going to get done, but it's going to get done. See, I think it's I think I I I push back on that and I think it's going to be I think you're either going to see a couple 50 45 cards or we'll see a lot of 49 46s. I think that Figueredo will have a moment somewhere in this fight. He'll have it in round 2, he'll have it in round 3, something like that. He hits too hard, he walks forward too much. He's got decent grappling. He's got def he's definitely got good preventative wrestling. I definitely see at some point in time Figueredo having a moment and he might even win around off that moment but what I do think that we will see in this card or with this fight rather is a lot of 49 46s a lot of 50 45s I don't think it's I don't think this will be one where the judges will necessarily uh, 
be a crucial component to the fight. I don't see this one going. Yeah. Uh, you know, it may get left up to the judges as a lot of flyweight fights are, but I think it'll be a very clear cut winner is the round of, I'm saying, mm -hmm. I'm saying a thousand words where two could do Benavidez by decision. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. One prelim fight that I do want to touch on real quick. One that I'm considering making a sizable play on Ishmael Nardiev taking on Sean Brady. I, love Nardiev in this fight. You can get him at minus 135. I know a lot of people like to talk shit, say we don't cover enough of the prelims. However, we don't really say it unless there's a lot of value there. And the the, the definition of value uh, changes depending on who you're talking to. So we try to put, like, put together a program that you know people can consume whenever they get time, and we try to help facilitate and give you more information to make those bets. We're also playing with our own money, and then we're trying, you know, in a way, we're trying to sway you to play the same thing as us. So I'm not going to be reckless with my money, nor do I expect you to be reckless with your money. So if I don't feel confident about it, I'm going to say that there's not a lot of value there because there's not worth taking a lot of chances. Now, there's a bunch of other people out there that claim to be these mystical. MMA, you know, fight predicting fortune tellers or whatever they are, and they just pick minus 800 favorites, and they say that it's the biggest, you know, that they're they, they haven't lost an event in the last 50 events or whatever the case may be. It's nonsense. Um, but you know, I'm not going to bash them. What I am going to say is, is that <laughs> prelim prelim fights aside, one of the one one of the fights I love is Ismail Nardia. Uh, taking on Sean Brady and then Brendan Allen upsetting Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze hasn't fought in over two years. Um, I know some people think that ring rust isn't real. Brendan Allen has been active enough that Tom Breeze is going to have a hard time adjusting coming back. And you can get Brendan Allen at an underdog price at plus 105. Ismail Nardiev is at minus 135, which is a great price. I also love a parlay of both of those two dudes together. And if Ooh. you want to get super fancy, if mm -hmm. you want to get Fancy, fancy, fancy. Yes. Nardiev, Brendan Allen, and the two girls, Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer with a four-way parlay. Mm -hmm. Gimme, 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 gimme all that money. Yes. So, um, recap real quick. Joey B, obviously, the four-fight the four fight parlay that we just talked about. Yeah. We like uh, Felicia Spencer. Depend. It could be, obviously, we just like her just for the sake of liking her inside the distance depends on the line minus 200 and below play at minus 200 and above uh, stay away. Iwan Kutalaba, Magomed Ankalov. We're going to wait and see what that looks like. Penciling in Kutalaba by knockout or an over on the rounds, whatever we can get better odds on. Megan Anderson over Norma Dumont. Megan Anderson inside the distance. Grant Dawson by murder over Derek Minner. And then Gabriel Silva getting it done against Kyler Phillips. Uh, Tom, Tom Breeze losing to Brendan Allen outright, and then Ismail Nardiev winning outright against Sean Brady. And then the parlay of Ismail Nardiev, Brendan Allen, Megan Anderson, and Felicia Spencer. It doesn't get any better than that, dude. We just gave everybody nine bets guaranteed. We're winning money. We've been doing it since we started this. We're winning money this weekend, too. It, it gets no better than that. Yeah, and if you guys are following us on our social channels, Punchlist MMA. Guys, we're honest. Like, just like just like Dale said, we're not one of these guys that throws up and 
you know, picks and chooses which ones they want to poster out to every single one. We 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 take our licks where we, you know where we have to. We put our wins up when we do. And I'm going to be honest: the past four events, we have fucking murdered the game. <laughs> so there's no there's no I'm trying I'm not trying to say it conservatively. That's what's just happened. So jump on board, get on the train. This is the Polar Express to freaking Moneyville, bitches. Let's do this. Dude, you are out of pocket. <laughs> you are out of pocket. Would you, I mean, listen, how many glasses of wine do you have at dinner? Let's just talk about that for a second. I I had to go over to the in-laws for dinner, so I had a, I had a few. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just saying, you definitely, definitely a little something, something, a little, little, uh, little extra sauce on the turkey today. All right. So real quick, that parlay is given six to one return on the money so it's sitting at plus 610 that parlay that we're talking about so even if just that parlay hits we're coming out on top so uh definitely something to keep in mind guys we appreciate all the support if you haven't done so like and subscribe on youtube on itunes anywhere that you can possibly find wherever you're consuming this content like subscribe share leave a review leave a comment do whatever you want to do uh you know Go support the show via show sponsors. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PUNCH. Save 20%. Go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST. Save 10%. And then if you go to Saving Grace Oil for your all your CBD products, you can use the code CASH20 and save 20% there. Every time you support one of our sponsors, it helps support the show. If you get any value from our content whatsoever, find a way to support us, even if it's just writing a review or a comment. Every single thing helps. Can't say that enough. Everything helps. Yes. Yeah. All in it. Do we have a uh, Do we have a discount code on some Advil and water? Because that's what I'm ready to go take right now. Yeah, I was gonna say you need some Advil and you need some water. <laughs> all right. That's it, guys. Appreciate everybody's support. Be good to each other. Follow us on all social media channels at Punchlist MMA. Uh, and you know, any questions that you guys have, you're never shy about asking, but continue to do so. We love the engagement. And as we get progress during fight week, watch the stories on our social media. We'll be posting a lot of polls. We want to know whether or not you agree with our picks, who you're taking and what's going on as we lead up to the event. So be sure to watch all that as well. Also real quick guys, right before the, Main card starts. Dale and I always do a check-in. We utilize those polls that we post the day of the fights to talk about what you guys have voted on, what we believe is going to happen. And sometimes, sometimes, based on what's happening through the cards, we're not going to change our picks. We're pretty confident. We've done the research. But we can give you further insight as to better betting lines, how those things change minute and daily. So make sure to obviously follow us on Punchless MMA. Yeah. I want to, I'm, so we don't have to publish a correction after the fact. I'm just going to correct it now because somebody's going to say something about it. Oh God! You said that you said that Paul Felder and Dan Hooker was a title fight, and it was not. I did not say that. You did. You did. I said title rounds. No, you said title fight. No, no, no. I, listen, I know that it's not accurate. I'm just telling you what you said. Okay, well, I blacked out about 10 minutes into this episode, so... I, listen, I understand. <laughs> well, I, look, I, one time I said that... Um, I, I forget where I was at. One time I said that Henry Hooft has never turned champion before. And I... <laughs> dude, the, the freaking hate mail I got from that. Goodness gracious. You don't think people fact check, but they do. 
And I just, you said it, and I was like, mm, I'm going to have to make some sort of correction on that because somebody will write some sort of, should call the MMA casual, please. I can already hear it now. Correct. Trey had too much to drink. Paul Felder Dan Hooker was not a title fight. No, relax, calm down, wipe your Cheetos off. It's okay. Man, God. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Talk to everybody later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park